and Felix is on my lap. Welcome to All Things Terror. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Emily. And we did that backwards last week. We, we totally did. And now we're going to backwards tell story. Story tell backwards? You know what? I, I'm not far enough to figure that out. <laughs> War, words of backing stories that we are telling. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is Pig Latin all over again. When I was a kid, Pig Latin <laughs> was very popular and I just could not get it. Was it like a, it's like something Tay, something Tay? I don't know. I'm not smart it's enough like, to these things. It's like you would say pig, like ig pay, and then Latin would be like atenlay. But people would talk it so quickly, and it just doesn't make oh, any sense. Does that mean that What's, Felix's name is Elix Faye? Elix Faye, yeah. <laughs> Felix, my That's dog, a- who is 50 pounds uh, and should be 30 pounds. He's not fat. He's just large and thinks that he's about the size of a five-pound cat. So that's Elix Faye. You need to tell me a story. I do. Felix is not a very terrifying story, except unless you're terrified of dogs. Or if he's a puppy. He was a pretty intense puppy. He was constantly touching me, and he made the sound that was like the tiny demon shriek going straight into your ear like a knife. Um <laughs> <laughs> and he never, he was never still. Like, I remember when he got fixed because that was the first time that I got to pet him for an extended period of time because he just likes to wiggle so much. So, yeah, he was kind of terrifying as a puppy, actually, now that I think back on it. But those days are over. Yeah, except for you. You have a terror puppy. Yes, but not for long. Because you're going to eat him. <laughs> yes. I'm actually cooking him right now. This is how we already lose viewers is by talking about eating puppies. I mean, or gain them because from what I understand, your family puppy stew recipe is very sought after and very rarely given out. But if you give it out here, you know. Oh, well, you know, that's why it's a family secret recipe, not a family share with the public recipe. Right. Like your human baby stew recipe. <laughs> Okay, okay. So tell me your story. Okay, so I am going to tell you a story about a famous person. Uh, okay. The reason why I think this is a good, terrifying story is that we associate certain things with her, but they're not very true or fair, uh, and it's really sad to be famous for such a wrong reason. Um, and there's also some pretty terrifying things that go along with her life. Um, do you want to guess who it is? No, I I want to I want to be surprised. Okay, do you want me to tell you or just go along with the story and you can see <laughs> how long it takes you to guess? Okay, let's see how long it's going to take me to guess cuz it'll probably take me forever, but I still I still want to play this game. Okay, but we'll edit the answer in for you listeners so Hi, listeners. you'll know the person we're going to be talking Walsh, about today, uh, which will be Marie really Antoinette. Fun. Okay, so now that you know, we've pretended that I've said that, uh, this famous person was married when she was 14, and she is associated with France, but she isn't actually originally French. She's from the Habsburg Empire, which doesn't exist. It's mostly Austria, um, which if we're going to talk about a, a place that's had a tough time, uh, it's, it's poor little Austria. You know, it got real beat up there in like the 1930s and 40s, and 
beyond. Uh, so this person was before that. That marriage at 14 was absolutely a political one. For most of our subject's life, and even her mother's life, um, Austria and, or the Habsburgs uh, have been fighting with the French. So um, this had been sort of like generational wars that had led to some pretty pretty intense hatred and rivalries and devastation. And also, I mean, if we're going to be honest, everybody has been fighting with France at some point in history. Like, France is just like the middle child that at some point you're going to have drama with. Well, no, listen, I'm actually – it's funny that you mention that because I'm <laughs> fighting with France right now. You, I, mean, I Jennifer, how many times have I told you not to get into it with France? Listen, just because, like, they helped out, like, some ancient forefathers from, like, whoever cares long ago doesn't mean that when they stick their nose at me that they don't deserve to get punched in the face. Just saying. Listen, you, you need to breathe deep. You need to rise, rise above. I know that France provokes you personally. You, you've got to be the bigger person in this. <sighs> Fine. Whatever. Tell me your story. Okay. So your your boy and our girls' countries were fighting. So she gets married at 14. Her formal education ended sometime before that, which is really important for her lifetime. Or for maybe not her lifetime. That seems perhaps standard, but it's important for her life. She was borderline illiterate. She could barely sign her own name. Her reading and writing, even in her native German, was said to be that of like a 10-year-old reading level or maybe younger. She wasn't stupid necessarily, but naive is a word that comes up in just about everything about her. Also frivolous is a word that gets used a lot. And I think that's kind of unfair because, once again, this was a marriage between a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old. So she was basically expected to solve a generations-long international conflict with her vagina. Like, it's insane, um, the sort of pressure that gets put on her. Um, no, I, I think that's totally reasonable. <laughs> Listen, why do we have so much conflict now? Because we are not making 14-year-old girls marry people from other countries and tell them, like, hey, work it out, right? Yeah, here's a vagina. Deal with it. Here's a vagina. Now, please stop shooting at each other. I mean, listen, it worked for so long. Why did we stop? Okay, you know what? Now that we're getting into this, I think I know who you're talking about. Ooh, do you? Do you want to guess? Yes. Uh, how many guesses am I allowed to have, actually? Um, you get three, and then what happens is Oki the puppy gets to turn you into Stu instead of you turning him into Stu. Fair enough. I will take that, and I am going to go ahead and t do my first guess. It is the yes. Holy Roman Empress. Yes. Uh, which one? Marie Therese? Um, yeah, uh, Maria Theresa. Uh, you're in her lineage, but it's not her. Ah, damn it. Okay. You're gonna, you're gonna get this really soon though. Uh, cause you're, you're cycling. You've got the right era. You've got the right family. You even have the right geographic location, which to be fair, I gave to you, but still. Um, you're gonna guess it after the, the second one, cause I'm gonna talk about our 14 year old protagonist husband. So her husband was not considered very attractive, and he was kind of shy and sort of insecure, which he covered up by being really stuck up and snooty, um, which is just a super unpleasant trait. But part of the reason why her husband was like this is his grandfather had been the king of France, and he was insanely, like, popular, glamorous. Uh, he had witnessed an aborted revolt as a child, and it had terrified him. I think he was, like, eight, and they, like, burst into the room, and they were going to kill him, but then it didn't happen at the last minute. 
I could be wrong on that. I'm recalling it from memory. But anyway, so this is a grandfather, um, and he becomes king. And because of this trauma that he saw as a kid, he stripped away a lot of power from, like, the lords and noble people and centralized it to himself. And this worked for him because he was the symbol of virility and power, charm, handsome. His nickname was the Sun King, the motherfucking Sun King. Like, that's how <laughs> cool he was. Uh, and it was, like, contemporaries were just like, yes, because everything revolves around him because he's so bright and amazing. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that he built Versailles, which to this day, I mean, that's even a code name for fancy and glamorous and awesome. So this is his grandfather. Do you know who I'm talking about yet? Uh, not 100% sure. I, oh, girl. is not great. So keep going. Oh, girl. All right. So that's the grandfather. So it makes sense that this king was expected to be very um, basically cool um, and like Kanye and Obama and basically the coolest person of all time. And then his grandson, not so great. So these two are married at 14 and 15. They can barely speak him because he's so shy, her because she doesn't speak the language. And again, like a lot of people like to point out how kind of quote unquote dumb she is. But honestly, I think it's more that she is unchallenged. Um, people didn't really expect a lot of intellectual rigor out of her and probably a little immature. But again, she's 14. So pretty soon after the marriage and her move to France, the father and grandfather die. And they are now the king and queen. And this is kind of a bad setup. For one, our protagonist, I can't wait until you guess because it's really hard to not say her name. Uh, but our protagonist is really easily influenced and really kind of silly. Um, when she first got to court, she wouldn't talk to the king's mistress because in Austria, mistressing is really frowned upon and in France it was basically a political position and people didn't necessarily like the king's mistress but it was something you had to put up with uh, and our protagonist wouldn't talk to her and it was basically on the verge of causing a political meltdown before she gave in and said something really petty and small which is kind of hilarious but the point was she was reacting to some relatives at court who were kind of influencing her to do this and partly out of, like, spite and because it would be funny, not really caring that they were setting her up to be a really hated queen. So I say all of this to kind of give you some background on, like, how young and naive and silly these people were. So when they come into this court, again, everyone is expecting this to be a really lavish, a really exciting court. They're used to the motherfucking fun king. And it's not really working out so great. <laughs> oh, One man, of the problems. I, oh. I was just going to say, I really want to hang out with the Sun King now. I mean, you really do. Um, I wish there was a way for him to be terrifying so I could talk about him on this podcast. But I just can't because he is just awesome. Like, he just did not give a fuck. I, I very rarely think about things like in his terms, but he seriously was like a rapper or like a modern day Kardashian in France. Like he just was like, I'm going to do what I want. You're all going to love me. Um, and let's put gold on the ceiling. Why not? Um, he's kind of the best. 
Uh, and the other thing that makes his story really nice, unlike these people's stories, is that his craziness actually led to good things for his country. Like, from what I understand, like the economy went up and France became more secure and all these things are great. Um, for our dear protagonist, did not work out that way. So one of the problems is that, like I said, these two have basically been fed false information. They're purposely sheltered. All of the people around them sort of exist in this bubble, uh, feeding them only good news and not really letting them know what's going on in France in general, which is not so good because there are huge economic inequalities. And because the nobles didn't have power, they were really jealous of each other and didn't try to advise the king. Honestly, they were doing it to just sort of become his favorite and just placate him and telling him good news. So outside of the castle, this is going really bad. <laughs> uh, and inside the castle, it's going really fun. Our protagonist gets this crazy fun reputation, which I'm not going to tell you a lot about because if you guess, um, it's just going to be clear. This is what we associate her with. Um, but in reality, she was just kind of acting like a 14 to 18 year old would. Um, and there aren't any consequences. There isn't any, you know, when you're older or in the real world, there was just none of that. And there was no one around her looking out for her in a larger sense. Um, people really tried to use her for favors and things. So here's where things start to get really terrifying. Um, because there's just a lot of really, really, really weird stuff. So one, her husband, um, gave money to the Americans when they were rebelling, throwing tea in Boston and shit and being like, England, we're done with you. So at this point, France and England are the ones beefing. You, Jennifer, are England in this case. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, do you want to speak in a British accent? No, I'm not going to do that to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our ancestors, if we weren't, you know, later immigrant trash. Oh, um, shut up. Are you talking about Marie Antoinette? Yeah, girl, get it. Oh, I knew you God. would. I was like, wait, rebellion? Oh, yeah. Duh. I know where we are. Go ahead. I'm ready for yes. this. Yes. Uh, okay. This is, I knew you would. I yeah. Yes, and you know what? Now you get to eat the dog instead of him eating you, which, I mean, that's good. I mean, that's a win for everybody. Yeah, our first and last podcast because she was eaten by her puppy. Um, okay, so her husband is Louie, and he gave money to the Americans. So, I don't know, Ben Franklin or someone, probably Benjamin Franklin, actually, um, like wrote to them. And visited France and was like, hey, we want to rebel against England and you don't like England. So give us money to do this. And France said, yeah, boo, we got you. He actually gave money to the Americans so that they could, like, have the successful revolution, the American Revolution, which we all know about, hopefully. So because the American Revolution was successful, again, largely because France was like, we want to piss off Jennifer, so we're going to give him money. Um, that actually <laughs> Fired the French Revolution, which cost him his own life. Like, it's one, it's kind of naive for a king to think that he can fund a revolution without his, like, people being like, oh, well, we got you, we're into this. But it's also, like, just ironic and sad to me. 
and kind of terrifying that you would be doing this thing that, you know, is good and helpful, and then it gets turned against you in such a way. Um, so, yeah, so we're talking about the French Revolution, sort of, which was really horrible, and we should probably have our own French Revolution, like, month or something. But basically, at one point, they revolted and were like, we're going to straight up kill all the royalty. And I'm not going to talk about that. But I will say that when Louis and Marie were first arrested, they were just sort of in their castle and not allowed to leave. And they were like, you know what? We're going to flee. And this is a probably a good idea, except that Louis was like, uh, basically dithering all the time, going back and forth, causing all of these delays. And this delay made it really, really dangerous um, because everyone who was helping him was like, dude, we got to get out of here fast. So they finally make it out of Paris in this giant carriage, which, again, was Louis' insistence. Everyone else was like, just get on some horses and run. And so they finally get out of town. They're in disguise. And Louis, they get stuck. They get, like, the equivalent of a flat tire or something, um, a flat horse. <laughs> and <laughs> so while, while they're there, Louis, who is under this idea that, like, Paris is the only place that people want to revolt, and it's all lies and exaggeration, which, again, this this is coming because he was being told this. So. He's like, man, the country people love me. So he was talking to, you know, I don't know, the horse mechanics. And <laughs> one of them, horse mechanics, one of them was like, I recognize this guy. He looks really familiar. And he pulled out some money and recognized the king off the money. And that's how they got caught and weren't able to leave France. Um, oh, and my actually, God. I don't know how true this is. I couldn't quite verify it, but I've heard this story a couple times that Louis was being really generous and gave the guy a really big tip and, like, gave him the bill with his face on it. I don't know if that's true, but either way, really dumb. And just you just go, oh, honey, like, sweet, simple boy didn't see where this would lead. <laughs> so they don't make it out of France, <laughs> and they go back, and they are now they are, like, hardcore arrested. Um, and one of the things that I think people don't realize about Marie Antoinette, she was pretty old at this point. Um, I think people tend to think of her as dying when she was like 18, but I want to say she was in her 40s. Um, and she'd had several children. And when she was in jail, um, first of all, she had several young children and they were taken from her. And one of them was a really young kid, a really young son, Louis. And he was basically turned into a street urchin. He was sort of abandoned, sort of this wild child in the jail. Um, he was abused by the guards. Um, I, I've read that they beat him, and he was just sort of, like, turned into this whipping boy. And they really liked to see this, like, young prince who was so, supposed to be so noble, like, make dirty jokes and say shitty things. And... Um, I mean, understandably, as we all did, kid, right? Right. As we learned in our last podcast, the lost podcast, which will probably never be heard. Um, but yeah, children are sociopaths. And also, like, this is a traumatic child, like a traumatized child, not a traumatic child. 
Um, that's all children. But a traumatized child who's, like, trying to live and please the people who are in charge of him. And so he is known for saying, like, mean jokes about his mom and really hating her, um, which is super sad because, again, the super not well-educated woman loved being a mother. Um, and this was one of the last experiences of her life was her son being really turned against her in a bad way. Yeah. But anyways, so here is a horrifying thing of how she died. Um, when she was in this jail, she was pretty much already dying. Um, she was bleeding profoundly for the last couple weeks of her life. Uh, I've heard some things that said she was probably dying of ovarian cancer. So when I say bleeding, um, just delicately imagine if your ovaries are full of cancer, from whence comes the blood. Or melting. Um, your ovaries could also be melting. Yeah, it's just she was in a lot of pain. She was losing weight, but also, like, bloating in weird spots. Like, bad things were happening. Um, so she was already, like, she was already going to die before she was beheaded. Um, and when she was led up to the scaffolding, do you know what her last words were? Uh, wasn't it something like, pardon me, sir, for I did not mean to do it? Damn, girl, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, she stepped on the executioner's foot, and so she apologized to him. And then he was like... I remember oh. that. I, I know. Was like, it's... Oh. oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No. It is such, like, a, like, baller, but also, like, super proper thing to d- say. Like, she's like, I'm going to die with dignity, and I'm so sorry for stepping on your feet, motherfucker. Yeah, it's, like, proper baller. Um, yeah, it's also kind of terrifying to think about this woman who was just, like, I'm dying. I'm going to be a proper baller. And there's, like, whatever, chop. Um, it is – and it, I don't want to say it's through no fault of their own because they were the rulers. Like, they should have taken responsibility. But everything was stacked against them. Like, the deck was so stacked against these people that – Again, borderline illiterate, married at 14, naive, very immature, probably throughout most of her life. Just really sad um, and scary because you really do feel like they were pushed in this situation from a lot of people around them. Yeah. Um, so that's kind well, of like serious downer. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, that's like saying, like, okay, 13-year-old child. I want you to go fix all of these problems that we have and, and just, like, pick a country that's really fucked up. <laughs> like, okay, uh, go deal like with that. Like, fur. Okay, we're going to marry some very wealthy, like, 13-year-old American girl to, like, the young prince of Darfur, and then they're going to live in, like, the most lavish golden palace and then be blamed for Darfur's problems. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's one way to deflect blame, I guess. Yeah, it's just, it's very bizarre. Um, So that's kind of like the serious, sad, bummer, terrifying part of it. Um, But there are two really metal, gross, amazing things that are terrifying that I just don't think ever get more terrifying and I love so much. And these are the last two things I'm going to tell you. Are you ready? Okay, ready. Yes. Okay, so the first one is that 
when, like, Marie and Louis and their family were still in the, like, palace jail, like, just, like, you're not allowed to leave your house, uh-huh. they, the the revolutionaries had captured a lot of their staff and friends and people around them and treated them really well. You know, we're like, hey, have some cheese. Would you like to go on a vacation? Um, here's some books, right? No, that's not what they did. Um, they beheaded them and then of course. put, yeah, I mean, it's the French Revolution. Um, they behead, people were actually, I think, beheaded for criticizing beheading. So, <laughs> wait, hey, what is it? I, yeah, I'm really sure, certain that there were people who were like, maybe we should be moderate about this. And they were like, you know what? We're going to chop your fucking head off. How's that for moderate? Um, they well, were you not, know, sometimes passions run high. <laughs> yeah, the, the French Revolution had no chill. And I will stand by that. <laughs> Uh, hot take. So, they chopped <laughs> off. One of the people who got captured was Marie Antoinette's best friend, who had been, like, her lady-in-waiting forever. My apologies, lady. You were, by all accounts, awesome, but I have no idea what your name is. Um, and so they chopped cool lady's head off, and then they put it on a long wooden pole. And of also put her body on a long wooden pole so that mm-hmm. they could use those poles to peek the eyes into the window where Marie Antoinette was. Oh, my God. Yes. And they did this to several people and would do, like, nasty pantomimes against the window. That is just, why are people, like, from history just, you know, fucked up? <laughs> I mean, they didn't have TV. And Fair they were like, I don't have a toothbrush, so my mouth is in agony of rotting teeth all the time. I have nothing to put my eyes on except, like, horses pooping in the street, and also there's, like, smallpox. So I don't, I mean, it just doesn't seem like, the past was a terrible place. It just doesn't seem like it was fun. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair Although enough. I will say, I mean, now, is it better or worse that we watch Game of Thrones? where, spoiler alert, they basically did the same thing to Rob Stark. I mean, it's better because we're not doing it to real people, question I mean, mark. Yeah. I question mean, mark? we're not, as far as I know, that is the question mark there, but. Yeah, I feel like if this podcast goes on long enough, we're going to discover that that is happening currently somewhere. At that point, I'm just going to have to, I don't know, pack up and move to the moon or something. <laughs> That's when the last episode happens, is when... Someone is like, hey, here is a real head on a spike doing, like, a blowjob against a headless body on a spike. And then I'll be like, yeah, okay, we're done. (laughs) (laughs) And finished. And finished. Um, Okay, so I have one more thing, which is my favorite fact that I have ever learned. It is so bizarre and spooky and also probably a preview of something I'll do later. Because I love it. Jennifer, do you know who the Romanovs were? Uh, not 100% clear on that, so no. Okay. So the Romanovs were the the last czars of Russia. So mm-hmm. Russian royalty is Tsarina and Tsar. And do you know what happened to the last royal family of Russia? I have a very general knowledge of it, but we should probably still talk about it because it is a podcast. Yeah. So they had some cheese. Everyone was really sweet to them. They were like, 
how are you feeling today? Do you want to go on a vacation? Here are some books. Um, here are some slippers that are really soft, and let me rub your shoulders. That's exactly what people did to them. Um, no, that's not what people did to them. The Romanovs were a family, <laughs> and they also had a Russian revolution, and they were shot and murdered when their country people rose up against them. Um, and I'm not going to go into it too much because I really do want to do an episode on it. But this is the part that connects to Marie Antoinette, and it is the most mind-blowing thing I have ever learned. So the last queen, Tsarist of Russia, um, Alexandra, had yep. his boudoir that was basically like her dressing room that was all fancy. The walls were covered in paintings and drawings and pictures, but none of them were pictures of people. So lavishly decorated, tons of frames. There was only one portrait. It was not of her family, who she loved dearly. It was not of her. She had one portrait, and it was inexplicably of Marie Antoinette. Interesting. Yeah. Can you imagine being a queen and thinking, you know, I just want one picture, one recognizable person, and I want it to be of another queen who had her head fucking chopped off. Like, everything about that just screams bad juju. <laughs> yeah, no joke. I think about it, I get goosebumps because I'm just like, lady, what were you doing? Maybe so. she really admired her and thought that she deserved a place on her wall that yeah and maybe she created her own future there who knew maybe the people decided after they found out that she had that painting they're like you know what we need to like make this happen <laughs> live your best life live your dream yeah live your dream we love you guys so much that we're going to murder your entire family it's possible i was just gonna say like also i want someone to give me cheese be like hey uh, do you want some cheese yeah i would love some cheese and a vacation thank you and the vacation would you like some back rubs <laughs> i mean it's i'm good fun. on the back rubs but the cheese and the vacation sound really good but i want to go on like a cheese cruise where like it's a cruise, but all of the stops are built around delicious cheeses, and there, there are lots of bathrooms about the boats for cheese-related incidents. And yes, you basically yes. just you, – you go to places that give you delicious cheeses and cheese accessories, like wine and bread and, and chocolate and little grapes. And it's really just a vacation about cheese. You know, you couldn't do that in the United States, though. Like, you just end up in Wisconsin, and you can't even be in a boat, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, Wisconsin cheese cruise would be like, it's very cold. There is going to be beer, which is a plus, and then, like, pretzels and cheese curds. Yeah. Well, if you go in the summer, it would probably be pretty nice, but then you'd still be in Wisconsin for your vacation. So I'm not really sure if that, that makes it any better. <laughs> Listen, if anyone from Wisconsin is listening and would like to prove us wrong by showing us where we can charter a boat around a delightful artisanal cheese experience, I would be very pleased to be proven wrong. I will second that. And also, I'm sorry for making fun of Wisconsin, but not really. Uh, also, I just want to promise you that I definitely will do an episode about the Romanovs at some point if you want to hear about more terrible royal things. Uh, I I think we should do that. I recognize their name, but and I couldn't really place them until you told me that they were like the last Zara family. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. But it's been like since eighth grade since I cared about any of that stuff. So, okay. cool. Um, yeah, well, I will put up wherever we put up notes 
um, because I got that anecdote from a really good book about them. So if someone is listening and is like, I have no time to wait for your shenanigans, uh, you can go learn before I do. Well, you have to learn with your own eyeballs. You can't just listen to someone learn at you into your ears. That is true. Is that, that's not really learning at you into your ears. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what my job is as a teacher is to learn at people <laughs> into their, their ears. Um, <laughs> that's how it works, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I never thought of it when I was teaching as learning at people into their ears. But, you know, you're right. That's all it is. No wonder why people don't like to pay teachers. They don't appreciate how challenging learning at people through their ears is. People are like, listen, this is my life. Stop trying to learn at me. Into my ears, okay? My ears are for other things, like carrots and wonderful music. I, I don't want and knowledge and sad facts <laughs> in there because most knowledge is sad. If I need knowledge, I'm just going to buzzfeed it. I think we should come up with, like, a fake hashtag for each episode, and I'm kind of charmed by hashtag most knowledge is sad. <laughs> Fair enough. I was going to say cheese vacation, but... I'll go with most knowledge of that. Cheese vacation is we... not a mere hashtag. It is a life goal. It is an aspirational way of being. <laughs> okay. So, so it's your turn to learn you. at me into my ears. Yes, I'm going to learn at you into your ears. Um, <laughs> however, this is going to be one of those things where most knowledge is not sad, but oh. is just bizarre. Oh. So I am going to tell you a story about vampires. Oh, Yes, dear Lord, yes. But not about people vampires. No. About vampire fish. (gasps) Shut up, fish. What? I have no idea what this is about. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. Fish. So, fish. fish. so weird. Now, there's a couple of different fish that have, like, the nickname vampire fish. But the one that's sort of fascinating to me is the lamprey. I don't I just want to like make small do- whiny dog noises of excitement. <laughs> so a lamprey is is interesting. It um, to describe it with, I mean it's not fair. You kind of need to see a picture of it. So without seeing its mouth, it kind of looks kind of cute. It's similarly shaped to an eel. Um, okay. But with so water danger noodle got you. Yep, water danger noodle. Uh, what makes it very different from fish is that it has a funnel-like mouth that it uses mm. to clamp on to an animal and mm. drink its blood. No. And this is already going down a path very far away from cute. <laughs> so, and it's interesting because this mouth is like permanently open. And the only way I can really describe it is it kind of looks like a shower head. With teeth? With teeth. Um <gasps> <laughs> In Do fact, you know, there's I, this picture, this gif online. I have to try and find it. It's like a, a white cat, and it, its eyes are just like black pits, and then its mouth is like a circle with teeth. This is exactly what I'm Well, you can look at the pictures that I just texted with you if you'd like, but I have sent you a picture of a lamprey. Everyone else, just Google it if you haven't seen one. We'll put it on the Instagram. We will. We will put it on the Instagram. So it uses those teeth to latch on to the body of fish and then proceed to suck out its blood and its fluids. Now, it's uh-huh. interesting because there's kind of a misconception that it kills, that all lampreys kill large populations of fish. Actually, most... Really? Fish survive lampreys feeding off them, and as a bonus, unlike when a vampire feeds off of you, 
if a lamprey feeds off of you, you, in fact, do not turn into a lamprey. <laughs> Suddenly the world is overrun with lampreys. <laughs> I know. would be like, well, I went swimming, and then uh, I got bit by a lamprey, and as you see me today, I am a giant lamprey that speaks the English language. Right. That's a good but, excuse for not going into work on Monday is like, uh, listen, I went swimming in the ocean, and now I'm becoming a lamprey, so don't think I can operate a computer. I've got really bad headaches from this, so I'm just going to, like, chill for a little bit until I'm less of a lamprey mm-hmm. or totally right. lamprey. I don't know. One of the two. <laughs> so they are older than dinosaurs. Oh, no. They're, yes. They're approximately 360 million years old. Oh, they are I had no idea. part of, of a prehistoric class, which is mostly extinct now. There's just basically lampreys and hagfish that are part of this class. Hmm. Unfortunate name, hagfish. I mean, listen... I think that is unfortunate, except hags always remind me of witches, and witches are pretty cool. Right, right. But hag is a terrible word. It just sounds like throw up. I don't know. That's what I I think of throwing up when I think of the word hag. When you're asleep and you hear a cat forking up a hairball somewhere, that's that's a hag. Yeah, that's a hag. That, yeah. That's actually slang for a hairball. Sorry, you can hear a dog barking because that is the dog outside. Just because they were like, how dare you say that about cats? I love it because then I eat their hairballs. How dare you call a cat a hag? No, I didn't call the cat a hag, puppy. I called the throwing up a hag. Uh, He's just excited to be turned into stew so you can eat him. Yes. He's actually bouncing around just waiting for stew time. (laughs) Okay. So, back on track. So, the population of lampreys have been going down. As with many species, it is because of pollution, man-made structures, and also there have been purposeful hunting and elimination of them in certain populations because they are deemed as parasitic. But so, that's weird because they don't kill the fish, but they just mm-hmm. gross people out, so that's why they kill them. It's not all lampreys that kill all fish. Now, sea lampreys have had their time as an invasive species, and actually, like, it was, like, 1920s-ish through the 1940s-ish, they actually started to create a uh, crisis in commercial fishing. Oh, uh, wow. Because they were just, like, eating through populations of fish. But then again, you know, I don't really trust anyone that says, like, I, a commercial fisher, feel like these lampreys are destroying fish populations. It's like, really? And then, like, throwing a bunch of fish in nets isn't killing the populations of fish? Yeah, I mean, to be like, so back in the 1920s, when you start something with a phrase like that, I feel like you're kind of already undermining your argument. Like, back in the 1920s, we barely had antibiotics. You know, it's kind of like women had only been voting in America for less than 10 years. Cigarettes are totally safe. Give your kid cocaine to make him stop coughing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, listen, the lamprey is a scary, horrifying thing. Let it be. It's not giving your children cocaine. The lamprey does not give children cocaine. Yeah, hashtag lampreys do not give children cocaine. Uh, Lampreys are actually part of the D.A.R.E. program. If you don't remember the D.A.R.E. program, (laughs) it was, you know, an anti-drug alcohol thing where it's like, kids, don't do these bad things that everybody else does, and this isn't going to have any effect on you whatsoever program. Oh, my gosh. Do you actually want to hear something really funny about the D.A.R.E. program for me? Yes, please. I was... When I was in grade school, I was in this, it was called, quote, unquote, Gifted and Talented. It was basically like, okay, you're smart enough that you're bored in school and we don't have the resources to, like, move you up a grade or challenge you more. So once a week, we'll take you out of your regular classroom and you can go do other projects with other smart kids. 
um, and it was really fun, and it, it was a lot of work, but it was it was enjoyable. But hilariously, one of the things that I missed was the D.A.R.E. program, because it was always at the same time as this gifted and talented class. So basically, my school district was like, listen, we don't need to warn smart kids off drugs. Let them go do other things, and they can take all the drugs they want. So I got a t-shirt at the end of the year, but I never saw a single D.A.R.E. program. Um, so to this day, I don't know about the dangers of marijuana. <laughs> and that's why, oh, that's why you snort cocaine when you have a cough. It I don't make snort sense it. Now. I, I put it in my ears. That's where the learning goes, and cocaine gives you the learning, right? You just <laughs> you poke it right in there. I have so much knowledge and no cough. It's great. <laughs> oh, man. I can't. All right, all right. <laughs> so um, a couple of in- other interesting facts about lampreys before I tell you the two things that's a little bit creepy. Lampreys were once a protected species in the UK, or sorry, are a protected species in the UK, but also in the UK, they were once considered a delicacy among royalty and the rich. So there's a possibility mm. that Marie Antoinette could have enjoyed lamprey at some point in her life. Oh, man, what a nice uh, way to just bring it full circle. I know, right? We didn't even plan this. We're supposed to surprise no. each other, and we did, but we're on the same wavelength. Like, yes. Also, so, what, I have a lot of questions about eating something that's just mostly tea. You need to look it up because there are definitely pictures of lamprey, prepared lamprey, and lamprey recipes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, maybe we'll add that into, like, show notes, though, if people want to cook it and tell us how good it is. Do not eat the ones in the UK because they are protected. No killing mm. those lamprey. No British ones. You're Britain because you beef with France, and you'll beef with people if they kill the British lamprey. Yep. That is true. True. So, creepy thing. Because the lamprey population has been in decline, lots of things have happened. Uh, lots of other fish species flourish in the rivers and streams in in the UK, and mm-hmm. uh, people go swimming in those rivers. And in about 2016, the news starts blowing up all over the UK about being aware that the lamprey population has increased and people are no. getting bitten by them because <laughs> no. they're going swimming in these rivers that for a long time had very few lamprey in it. And now because of the effort to clean up uh, the rivers in the UK and to remove uh, man, man-made structures that are preventing like salmon and lamprey and other species of fish going upstream, spawn. No. There's a lot of them now. And one of the things I saw is this guy was, he obviously was trying to get this to happen, but he went in underwater, like diving to like record lamprey, you know, this older than dinosaur creature in the water. And when he came up, the lamprey was attached to his neck and it (gasps) was so creepy. No, not his neck. That's too much to a real vampire. It was so vampire. It's like you could not be any more vampire right now. I mean, it could have been. If it had a little cape on it, I would have lost my shit, but... It yeah, didn't have a cape. Is it like a leash? You just, you just like yank it off? What do you do? Yes, you, so you pull it off. And there are these accounts of people who've gotten bit by them and they like go to pull off the lamprey, but they don't get out of the water. So they pull it off in the water and it goes right back for them. <gasps> Ooh, it's so like, like, give me those fluids. Yes, yes. Now, I do not know of any people that have died from lamprey. So if you do get bit by lamprey at any point, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, if you die by lamprey, please come back as a ghost to tell us about that experience. Uh, and we'll even let you come on the show in spirit form. <laughs> 
So try to preserve your vocal cords after death, people. Or, you know, practice moving objects and we can like bell out words and stuff for you and you know, we'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. We watch a lot of like creepy ghost stories, so we're good. We got you. So second thing. (laughs) Oh god, I can't even Okay. So in Alaska around June 2015, the Alaska Department of Fish and Game received calls from uh, residents in Fairbanks uh, who claim they see, quote-unquote, scary fish dropping from the sky. Stop. And it's when they go... Raining lampreys? They go out there and investigate, and it is raining lampreys. What? This is like a real-life Sharknado, except it's like lamprey precipitation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hashtag lamprey precipitation. <laughs> oh my god. What is happening? So there are a couple theories. Um the predominant theory is of course again lamprey populations are increasing, which is kind of a good thing because it means yeah. certain water areas are healthier than they have been for a while. Yeah, but I mean, I feel the, like when the environment was was healthier, it was a lot more terrifying to humans. Like, we should be afraid of animals at all times. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just want to think that in a world where there was less, you know, human destruction of the environment, it was always raining lampreys. <laughs> Dream with me, people. <laughs> <laughs> so... Wildlife officials suspect that seagulls were, of course, going to pick up the lampreys, like, as a meal, and then deciding for whatever reason they didn't want the lampreys, they just dropped them on this population in Fairbanks. Or perhaps the lampreys attached themselves to the seagulls and then were like, all right, I'm full, thanks for the meal, bye, and just fell off. Drops, oh shit, this isn't water. (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm a scary fish. So my theory is actually lampreys have decided that they want to evolve to have wings to live out their vampire status. And yeah, they hitch then level up in the vampire chain, you know, ability right. to fly, fear of garlic, little cape. Exactly, exactly. So they're like, you know what, we are going to actually try to fly. And then they all learn very quickly that evolution doesn't work that way. Um, <laughs> but I... <laughs> I laugh at this because, one, it is terrifying. Like, I can't imagine what it would be like to go outside and be like, oh, God, why is there a scary fish raining down on me? But then also, like, can you imagine what the wildlife department was like? I'm sorry, ma'am. Can you say that again? Okay, I just wasn't sure I got that right. So there's a scary fish, and it fell from the sky. Okay. I know. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Seriously, like, can you imagine being outside in your yard? This thing falls and hits you in like the head, and then you're like, "Who? Who do I need to call about like like scary fish? Scary? Uh, I don't even know what to ask you." <laughs> well, and then if you also think about like literally, there's no place that you're safe from from lampreys. It's like you go swimming in a river lamprey you walk outside lamprey yeah i mean i think the next thing that needs to happen is that we need to start getting word of lampreys coming up through toilets like rats oh my and alligators, god you know yes <laughs> they need to live in the sewer and eventually they'll start going to college and then people are going to be upset about the lampreys going to college going to go 
Lampreys did just fine since dinosaur times without needing to read. Why do they need to read now? Exactly. And they're like, well, this is easy. We, we want to move into houses and pay our bills. I don't understand what the problem is. Listen, we want to have a higher literacy rate than Marie Antoinette. We saw what happened to her. We just want to be a one step ahead of French slash Austrian nobility, okay? I mean, that, and that is perfectly fine. That's a respectable goal in life. Yeah, a goal for everyone, really, to be smarter than Marie Antoinette and or Lamprey who's gone to college. <laughs> so that 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 is the story of my vampire fish. That is pretty incredible. It has a little bit of everything. I enjoy it. Jennifer, did you learn anything today? Yes. Um I learned that if people don't offer you a cheese or a vacation, then you're probably going to get your head chopped off. And I also learned that if you can't read books, you probably shouldn't be in charge of a lot of people who are already really angry and like to make puppets out of dead bodies. Yeah, lessons for our time, surely. I would echo that. I think I learned today that evolution doesn't work just by wanting things. And (laughs) that I didn't learn this, but I guess I learned that I have a lot of questions about how you eat something that has a lot of teeth. So I learned a new question for my life. And you will get those answers once you get on Google and you look up lamprey food as a meal. Lamprey food. The dessert for a, a cheese food. And if you eat lamprey, you can be that, you can get a little bit more closer to what it what might have been like to be Marie Antoinette. In the good times. In the good times. Not in the bad times. We don't want to know what that's like. We don't advocate beheading. All right. Well, you ready to wrap up? Yep. All Things Terror is research recorded and edited by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. We are available on Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast or email at All Things Terror at Gmail. Music sample by Cosimo Fogg. Links, photos, and more info available at allthingsterror.wordpress.com. Hashtag lamprey precipitation people. See you next time.